and welcome to The Reinventors, a show about changing careers, about taking a leap. I'm journalist Claire Wiley, and each episode I speak to people who change jobs in a big way. Some quit the corporate grind to follow their creative passion. Others turn their side hustle into a full-blown company. You'll hear how they find the clarity, the courage, and the cash to reinvent themselves. Growing up, Marlena Moreno always felt like she was in two camps, the nature nerds and the cheerleaders. And this led her to such an unusual career path. She started out as an NFL cheerleader and dancer, but then retrained as a conservation biologist and filmmaker. Now she spends her time out in the wild, filming projects and raising awareness. So we talked about how she made this big switch and how she paid for it. She also talked about the increase of influencers posing with exotic animals and how that can actually damage the cause. She says finding your dream career means following your curiosity, but also getting really honest about what you're good at. I recorded this interview well before the C word, the pandemic, that is. But it struck me that a lot of what Mar said is really relevant to what we're all living through right now. We talked a lot about how we all have a stake in nature and how we have to step up and protect it. With the skies and air so clear at the moment, I think we're seeing what it might be like if we actually did that. Mar also told me how she tries to balance her drive to be out in the wild, disconnected from everything, with needing to promote her work online. She was up front. It's a work in progress. But I think that balance between staying connected with everyone we love and protecting our sanity by not scrolling our feeds constantly is something we all grapple with, maybe now more than ever. So I hope you enjoy this episode and get something from it, whether you're looking to switch careers or not. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love it if you'd rate and review. It's interesting because I feel like the word cheer or cheerleader is so different and diverse depending on, I I think the NFL cheerleader thing is a bit deceiving because we're actually, most NFL teams, I would say all um, NFL cheerleading teams are much more, they're dance teams. They're not really, we don't cheer, we don't, I mean, we don't actually say like chants and cheers, we don't do jumps, we we do do tumbling and dance. It's more of like a palm kind of palm dancing. I don't know if that sounds weird, but I think that's much more what it was. So growing up, I always, you know, danced to cheer. And then when college came, um, there aren't really a lot of opportunities if you're not doing it at a collegiate level um, to sort of maintain it. So you either are teaching a dance class or paying to take dance classes just to kind of pursue, continue having that passion a part of your life. And then when I moved back to San Diego, um, it, the opportunity kind of, I don't know, not, not came across my desk per se, but I knew, I knew that the San at the time San Diego, um, or the chargers were in San Diego now they're in LA, but, uh, yeah, I heard about the auditions and mustered up the, the courage to go and that kind of, yeah, and it happened. And then I did it for four seasons. And I think, that was kind of, I mean, I think at a certain point you sort of phase out and grow out of things. And I think by my fourth season, I realized, yeah, dance is great, but I know that there's not really much further I can go. I mean, I obviously got to a really great professional level with it, but, um, you know, there's, I, I knew that I wasn't going to be dancing forever. So I think that was kind of a slow close to that sort of chapter in my life once I got that out of the way. Mar did her undergrad in advertising and marketing. She was cheering for the Chargers at that time and dancing in nightclubs to pay her way through college. 
Then she studied for an MBA and started an eco cleaning company. She moved to LA to grow the business. And I don't know, I just this is going to sound like really overly dramatic, but I pretty much woke up one day and was like, this isn't fun. Like I I mean, I for the I mean, I didn't grow up with money. My mom was a bus driver, my dad did pour concrete and was a falconer. So, you know, we lived a really modest uh, you know, upbringing, very happy and had everything I needed. But um, so that was my first kind of taste of getting money. And I think, or making money and making a living, being able to do some traveling. But, and then at this point I had finished school and I was kind of like, God, like, I, th- I think the novelty of, you know, having a little bit of money in your bank account wore off really quickly for me. Um, and there just wasn't a passion there. I mean, I love business development. I love marketing. I love branding. But it's the, I think, the industry in which I was doing it, even though I was focusing on, you know, green cleaning and, and focusing on bringing in more, like, sustainable practices, I, it still just felt really empty, if that makes sense. I enjoyed the creative stuff, but the actual, like, m- you know, I think the, the meat inside of that, um, yeah, I just felt really empty. And so I started doing a little soul searching and one thing kind of led to another. And I decided that I was going to take a trip and I ended up taking a trip to South Africa. I think I'd always known that I was interested in working with animals, going back to my roots as a kid, really starting to, you know, dig deep in terms of what am I interested? What do I love? What gets me excited? And it always was nature animals. Um, and I being lucky having grown up in San Diego, I frequented the San Diego zoo a lot, the San Diego safari park. And so, um, there was actually this heart of wild exhibit at the safari park for me growing up. And that was my favorite place. And so I always kind of knew I was like, Oh, Africa's like the ultimate, you know, crazy wildlife animal adventure for me. And one day I want to go. And then finally, when I was at a point where I had the money to maybe go do something like that, that was kind of the first thing that popped into my mind. Um, I knew I wanted to maybe do some volunteering so I could kind of, explore other career opportunities and that's sort of what ended up getting me to go and volunteer to primate sanctuary in South Africa um, and then that's kind of when things took a whole you know 180 for me I think in life <laughs> so I mean you wrote you've written in your blog that you you've been living in LA for two years and then you woke up feeling like everything was wrong yeah tell me a little bit more about about that how did that feel and what did you do then Yeah, I think at that time I was just really overwhelmed and consumed with what being an entrepreneur really meant. Um, It wasn't this, you know, at first when it was building, it was exciting to, it was exciting to see the the money coming in and the accounts coming in and hiring on new people and being able to take these ideas and turn them into something a little bit tangible. But like I said, I think once, you know, the reality growth is, is scary and you're responsible for a lot of people. And I think it ends up being a lot more behind the computer phone calls and that versus I think the fun business development aspect. And so I think that coupled um, with the, for me at the time, finally being done with school. And, and at that point I wasn't doing, you know, NFL trilling anymore. So I had a lot more, f- and I don't want to say free time. I think when I was so busy, because I mean, up until that point in my life, I was always working multiple jobs and or also having like, you know, whether it be dance on the side or horseback riding on the side or college on the side. Um, I think I was always so busy and go, go, go that I never, really had time to stop and take I guess inventory on like my happiness and or my fulfillment and I think at that time things slowed down enough I think it was more of it felt like it slowed down I don't think that it did I think my the amount that I was probably working and sleeping was probably equivalent to previous chapters but I think at that time it was only focused on one thing so I just think it was a little easier for me to really like I said to kind of take inventory and recognize like, oof, I'm not really happy and didn't fulfill, f- didn't feel fulfilled or challenged. And being in LA is an interesting place because, um, I also started doing like dabbling a little bit in 
like on camera hosting and commercial work and stuff like that and being around creatives. And although I, I, I didn't really love, I don't really love doing on camera stuff if I'm completely honest. Um, I just love the creative, I don't know, energy that was LA. And so I think that made me curious and I felt like I wasn't really able to pursue that or look into it as much as I would have liked because of the responsibilities of running a business. Um, I was also in a serious relationship at the time. I was actually previously engaged um, to a really great guy, super nice, but we were left, you know, more friends. <laughs> I think, you know, the relationship, I think I got engaged really young. And I think, you know, I think I realized like this also isn't the person I want to be with. So I have this business that at the time, you know, was doing really well. And then I have this, you know, person in my life who's great, but like, I just knew that all of it, like when I say all of it was wrong, it was kind of that. I was just like, gosh, I looked around and I'm like, is this what I want my life to be in 10 years from now, five years from now? And the answer was no. And I just knew that. And I knew that I couldn't just completely drop everything and walk away. But I knew I needed to like take a step back and be able to allow myself a little more clarity without being kind of in this tunnel vision that I felt like at the time that was my life. And so I think that's what it was. And that really sparked me to be like, I think I just need to go away. I think I need to go away. And I think this kind of idea of quote, soul searching can be different for everybody. I think for me, I think because I never really had the means growing up and or the time once I had the means to do a lot of traveling for whatever reason that seemed like my outlet that I needed to to do because it was something I was curious about and wanted to do um was to sort of just go somewhere new get out go see the world and I think yeah so I think for me that was innately like the first thing that came to mind was well maybe that's what I need to go and explore um while I figure out how I'm going to sort of navigate this these all these new feelings that I'm having so I think that's what it was I think it was relationship, everything was personal stuff. I think it was professional stuff. And all of it was just at that point kind of not, I don't know, ticking all the boxes, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I, I wish I had a more black and white answer to tell you some crazy event happened, but I think it was just think you know, any, anybody, I think if you're not living a really fulfilled or passionate life at some point, there might be like a boil, boiling over point. And a lot of times we choose to ignore that. And I think depending on where you're at and, and if you're, if you're fortunate enough, I'm obviously very blessed to have been in a position where I was able to not just recognize it, but recognize it and be able to do something about it. I was really lucky to have had that space. And I think if I didn't, hadn't set myself up and had this business that I had built that would kind of feed me for a little bit after I decided that it wasn't what I wanted um, to be doing, um, who knows where I would be, I guess, today. But it took a while. It was about a, about a year-ish transition from like kind of first realizing this to actually being fully over and done with it and starting into like a new... I guess a new chapter took about a year. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of how it happened. And so then you had that trip to South Africa. What was it that was so kind of life changing and gave you the first inkling of what your new chapter would be? Well, I guess I should give it a little more context. Um, I was dabbling in like on camera hosting and doing that stuff. And at the time I had a, um, like a hosting coach agent whatnot, who was like, let's, let's, find your brand, you know, like everyone has to have a brand now. And, you know, and, and I knew that I didn't, I wanted to do something maybe travel related. I never wanted to do like celebrity, any of that stuff. I knew I wanted to do something a little more on the journalistic side. So we started doing a lot of more travel stuff. And then I think at the time when I decided I was going to go, I figured going there and I knew I was just going just to volunteer. But I was like, oh, while I'm there, I should get some content of me like, hey, guys, like I'm here. And that sounds, I'm saying it back now, I'm like embarrassed. But that was sort of in the back of my head. I'll like, I'll take this camera and I'll also get some footage that we can maybe throw in my hosting reel. Um, And so here I am volunteering and thinking this is what I was going to do. And I felt so stupid. I'm like, here are these people who were taking this shit so seriously and doing real work and like making a difference. This isn't about me. 
And I think that, and so what I ended up doing instead of being there and being like, hey, can you make, take, film me while I like talk about what I'm doing? Um, I decided to take the camera and started just filming what other people were doing and asking questions and interviewing and um, ended up coming back with a bunch of footage. And um, at the time I, I had mentioned I was in a relationship and that person, they were an editor and kind of gave me like a crash course on how to edit. And I put, you know, and, and with, with his help, I was able to put together my first little, I guess, short film, so to speak, about the experience and had sent that to the project um, and the volunteers that I had met. And um, the feedback that I got was just so fulfilling. And it was something where, you know, they, they did at the time and they're, they're, they've, they've grown so much since then, um, but they didn't have me in most projects and this, I'm sure we'll get to this, but most on the ground conservation wildlife projects um, don't have the funds to do marketing, don't have the funds to make, a, you know, to hire a, a, a film crew to come and film and, and tell their story. I mean, they're just trying to, you know, not even like half of them don't even make money, but they're just trying to like, you know, pay for their operations. Like they don't have the luxury in, in a lot of sense of, of, of doing this stuff. And, and here was this um, sort of new skill set that I, you know, was a, that I acquired that I enjoyed doing. Um, and I think also having had my business background and my advertising background, um, I saw a lot of value, um, in being able to offer these kinds of, I guess, storytelling, I don't want to say services. That sounds weird in the context that we're talking about, but kind of, yeah, these services to these projects. Um, and so I think that was really when the light bulb went off for me was like, gosh, I really love being creative. I love working in media and, and, and that and telling stories. I don't really like being on front of the camera as much. I love being behind the camera. I love traveling. Um, and I am passionate about wildlife conservation. And I think the people who are on the front lines doing the day in and day out really hard stuff are badasses. Like, how can I support them? And that's sort of how all these dots kind of strangely started to connect, I guess. Um, and then obviously that started a very long <laughs> road into navigating that and figuring out, you know, I knew from the get go, this was never going to be something I was going to make money doing. Um, I, I mean, it was, I mean, for the first, I want God three years. I mean, it was something where it was, I would come back to the States, work as many odd jobs as possible and save as, as much money as I could and then just go blow it. And to, so I could give away project, I could give away films to projects that I thought were doing cool stuff, um, which obviously, over time, I realized wasn't sustainable. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then in that inter and, and during that time, I decided to also go back to school again um, to study conservation biology because I, I really started to find that if I really want to be invested in this um, arena, which is conservation, I do need to have a more holistic understanding of of the entire landscape. Um, I wanted to also, I think, maybe going back to how I felt when I started my business years ago and wanted to go back and do my MBA. I also, you know, in that world, you, you know, you're working with a lot of people who are doctors and are, you know, PhDs and master's degrees. And it can also be difficult to be taken seriously, um, ironically, in, in that world, even if you're just going and wanting to offer things for free and, and help out and volunteer. I think that I saw there was going to be a lot more doors open um, if I took the time to, um, yeah, invest in, in, in that um, aspect of, of the conservation world a little bit more. So I decided to go, decided to go back to school and that I, I think helped and in my studies it really helped me kind of find a more clear path into how I can kind of connect all these dots and take skill sets that I, that I now have that I like doing, um, you know, and combine them with something that I'm passionate about. I'm now like obviously trying to make a living doing that has been challenging, <laughs> but that's sort of how the, the chapter that I'm, I would say that I'm kind of still in, um, got started. 
Well, tell me more about that then, about uh, making a living from this, because obviously you have sort of forged like what's kind of a new career path and joining, as you said, joining all the dots of your skills and your passion. So what stage are you at now? How are you making a living from it? Yeah, great. Um, it's actually a great question. So it's like, I feel like it's the therapy session, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, I started, ended up starting a nonprofit organization, which I, obviously that's not that, answering your question because clearly, <laughs> clearly a nonprofit organization, it's something I just keep feeding my money into. But uh, I I think I, up, up until recently, and not even recently, up until this moment we're speaking, I have always had to supplement my income and do other things outside of my work in conservation. So my nonprofit, fully funded, like I... I put all the money into it. I pay for everything. I've never had grants. It's just, I also realized early on, I mean, I had this naive thing, you know, we all probably do. And I had this naive thing of like, oh, there's so many grants. Like I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. Like it'll be so easy to get funding. Hell no. I mean, and, and even, even if it was, it's, you're spending weeks, shit, sometimes months preparing for a grant to get for a maybe, right? You, you know, you send it off for what, a few thousand dollars? Like, and, and, and the grants for the type of work that I do in conservation, it's not like I'm doing hardcore research or, you know, I'm not building a specific thing. It's, I'm, I'm doing something that's a little more intangible. And I think the, the importance of storytelling and media and marketing is a pretty new medium uh, uh, avenue in, in conservation. And so I think there isn't a ton of research. There is, there is a lot more now, especially with like social media and whatnot. But uh, at the time, there wasn't a ton of research showing the value of that, which became really difficult when it came to looking for funding opportunities, because obviously more traditional um, approaches to conservation and a more pr- traditional career path in conservation, whether they be research, um, you know, and stuff like that, project development, uh, those are the, the opportunity to get funding. And even then, I want to say it's something like, I don't know, but I want to say in the, even in the U.S., it's like three percent of like government funding goes to conservation. Like, you know, it's it is really hard to get conservation funding and let alone to, for for an aspect of conservation that is still a really new, I think, uh, career path. So the importance isn't there, I guess, in a lot of people's minds. So, I mean, up until even when I like I said, when I started my nonprofit, my 501c3, I was always funding it myself, working other jobs. And I was lucky because of previous lives that I've lived in chapters to have had skill sets that worked really well in the freelance world um, from, you know, consult, like business consulting, website development. I, I mean, that's really how I got myself, not, not even joking, through like the last, my last year of grad school and like really funding a lot of like major projects was just, you know, I don't know, slang and website. <laughs> Slang and websites, also doing, you know, using, you know, uh, doing some more commercial jobs in terms of videography and filmmaking and photography. So pretty much just taking skills that I wanted to be able to be using in the conservation world, but, you know, monetizing them in a more commercial world to be able to fund the the passion projects that I was doing. And that's pretty much what I have been doing up until very recently. Um, Not even very recently. I mean, I'm still doing that now, working as much as I can. I still dance. I still dance at a nightclub. I mean, I actually keep that life really separate. And a lot of people are like, no, you should brand it. That's who you are. Like, and I think in the past, that sort of headline has been, I get it. Like I get the whole like NFL cheerleader, nightclub dancer turned conservationist. I get that's like a sell. Um, but at the same time, I think I've found, I've actually found it to be more difficult, um, to maintain a career path because I just think, think it becomes really distracting in the conservation side of things. And I want to be taken seriously and I want people to know that I'm not using this other platform to kind of, I don't know, self-promote if that makes sense. And so I, and I, and I, and I get it, you know, you got to find a strike a balance and you don't want to leave opportunities on the table, but I've, I've really knowing what I want to do long-term and having a really clear picture finally of what the big picture is going to look like. And I hope the next year to five to 10 years looks like, 
I, I try to keep those things separate, but girl, I still shake my ass at the club. And that's another way that I, you know, I help get by. And I think it's, it's kind of that hustler mentality of like, I'll do anything that I can that makes money in short periods of time. I mean, well, not anything, sorry, I shouldn't say, <laughs> but you know, I will use the skill sets that I have. Um, and I'm, I think, you know, I, we all know that time is like the, the most important commodity. I mean, that's the one thing you can never get more of. And I think any, and so I try to do one-off projects, anything that I can make a good amount of money in a short period of time so that I can focus on, you know, building these other things. And so that's sort of honestly where I'm at now. And I think over the years of school and at this point having, you know, experienced all of that, I realized about a year and a half ago, um, my husband and I relocated to South Africa or South Africa, but we did a huge seven country kind of trip for about a year, year and a half. And um, I realized so much on that trip. And I knew it was during that time and we were trying to sort of juggle doing commercial jobs with, you know, these conservation jobs, it, it became, it was so much work. And because I do all the post-production myself, meaning I edit everything when I come back, it's like you go out and we shot for a year. And it's like, I mean, this was now, God, a year and a half ago. And I'm still editing stuff from that, from that. I mean, it's post-production is, is a monster. And I think if I can try and keep the creative work as confined to conservation as possible, that's ideal. And so I knew that I wanted to find a way to be able to sustain my passion projects, my nonprofit and that side of, of things, um, making money, doing stuff, but that wasn't so far removed um, from the conservation world. And while there, then I think also, you know, based on some old experiences and stuff, and I learned a lot in school about community-based conservation and the socioeconomic aspect of um, conservation, started really thinking like, okay, I wanted to develop a a tangible kind of business, more business where I can start working with these local communities, helping create sustainable livelihood opportunities in these like communities in conservation hotspots um, as a way to make money for myself, for them, but also as a way to help fund the projects. And it's all kind of staying in the same realm. So I don't feel like it's a trade-off between, oh, there's this really awesome project I want to go film in Uganda, but it's like, I have to stay here and make a website shake my ass at the club and, you know, do some photography for like a random, like active sports thing. So I just, I think that I would love to be able to have all of my eggs in the conservation basket. Yeah. I mean, what are some of the conservation projects that you're filming then? Just give me a couple examples of the kinds of things that you really care about, you're really passionate about. Yeah. So I, I mean, initially it was all about the animals, right? And I'm like, oh, I just want to film animals. I don't like people. <laughs> and, um, but in, I think over years and, and really like being able to be on the front lines and see the realities of a lot of stuff, I've realized humans are the most important part of the whole conservation story. And I think I've been most blown away by the people who do do the hard stuff, who are on the front lines, who've sacrificed, who don't get to come home, you know, to their to their little apartment with their AC and, and you know, great internet who are out there on the front lines. Like I get to pop in, get really great experiences, get, you know, get my conservation fix, quote unquote, and then come home to, you know, the comforts of what it is that I have waiting for me here. And in a lot of cases, like people who are truly out there, I'm talking like the scientists, the researchers, the project, you know, the people who are managing these projects, um, you know, wildlife rehabilitators, rescuers, all those people, um, that is a really hard life. And I realized that, especially when I was in school, you know, kind of dabbling, seeing where I might fit in. That was something I realized really quickly was like, I don't, I don't have it in me to be like these people, but I can bring something to the table that can be beneficial to them. And I think for me, that's, those are usually the projects that I, at this point in time and, and, and slowly have, 
I really liked to focus on stories and projects where I can um, highlight the men and women on the front lines of conservation. So for me, as much as I, you know, want to talk about the cute baby, cute cuddly baby chimpanzee, um, for me, a lot of times it is the it is the people behind um, behind it that I I find the most fascinating, and I am the most passionate about helping any way I can are are the individuals, and especially um, a, a big part of that. I mean, probably the biggest part of, of that are the local communities, like indigenous populations that live in these conservation hotspots who traditionally in a lot of ways conservation has not been beneficial to them has not been a great a great thing to them and and I think those are a lot of the voices and stories that I moving forward want to start focusing on and I and then and you know and coupling that sort of with this other side project like I told you that I'm working on with this with this brand um, I, I I'm a big believer in conservation being something that includes everybody and all stakeholders and it also being something that can be beneficial. Like if I don't see a benefit, why do I want to protect wildlife? You know, if I'm a local person and you're telling me that I can no longer, you know, do sustenance hunting and I'm in a place where there's no other opportunity, you know, I think in a lot of cases, conservation traditionally, not always. And I think community-based conservation is becoming such more, so much more um, recognized um, in the conservation arena. But traditionally, it has been a very like fortress type of, of, I don't want to say industry, but it has, where it's, you can no longer use these resources, you guys are blocked out, we're going to make money off of this, charge tourists a ton of money to come and see these wild animals, but you're not going to benefit, a select few of you will benefit from it. And a lot of really big promises are made to these communities that don't get followed through with, and there's not a lot of accountability and transparency. And I think that's something that I have become really interested in um, and really passionate about, because I think if you really want to make a difference, yes, I want to just go and hang out with cute animals all day but if that's really what I want to do and I want them to be around for future generations I believe that that's where you start and I think a lot of that has to do with like I said the, the stories of the people on the front lines of conservation whether it's the conservationists themselves or the people who are impacted by conservation those are both two um, I guess groups of people that from a storytelling perspective and from you know what I what I do as a conservation storyteller um, those are the, the the I guess projects that I'm I'm the most interested at this point. Well, speaking kind of more generally then, what is it about conservation that you love and that you feel so strongly about and that you want to really, you know, dedicate your career to? God, that's a great question, Claire. Um, I'm like, I don't know. No, I, I, I mean, nature has a healing effect. Like, I'm not trying to get too, like, mushy and cliche on you, but, I mean, there's tons of research that suggests that nature being outdoors fresh air i mean that has a healing effect and i think we're so disconnected to to nature now um as, as humans and i think it's really sad and i you know we see i mean we live in this digital world that's for lack of a better way of explaining it mostly fake and there's just something really grounding i think about being out in nature so I think I am the happiest when I'm away from all of it. Don't get me wrong. I love my days when I'm locked behind my computer and feeling like I'm being productive. But I mean, that'll wear on a human being. And I think the slow pace and just the, yeah, the, I don't know, the healing properties, that sounds silly, of, of mother nature, I think is beautiful. So I think in, in a big picture, that's probably subconsciously what I think draws me, draws me to being in that when I am out in the bush or out in a jungle somewhere and you really truly feel removed from it all you don't have service you haven't had service you don't you you it's 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 so fascinating the one of my favorite things about 
when I say traveling, I, I typically mean it in, in the sense of like going and doing a project and being, you know, out in the bush and somewhere far, not going and staying at like a hotel or a resort. So when I'm traveling, I've, it's, I'm always really fascinated how quickly as not even just me, but I think any humans like this, like how adaptable we are. You think the first 24 hours, you're like frantic when you don't have internet, you can't find a Wi-Fi cafe or you go out in the bush and you're like, oh my God, my SIM card's not working or you don't have a toilet or electricity, but I, or hot water or anything, but I'm fascinated at how quickly that becomes normal. Um, and so I think I also really love sort of that kind of back to basics part of, of the actual, like realities of, of living the quote conservation lifestyle that I've created. I, that's something that also gets me excited. I kind of love that going and like, you know, like digging a hole to go to the bathroom and, and camping out in the middle of nowhere and like cooking over a tiny little stove and eating beans out of a can. Like something strange about kind of going back to basics is fun. It's almost like camping when you were a little kid, but as an adult. Um, and then I think uh, the, the big thing for me with conservation is also, in addition to like nature and wildlife, I just think it's a place where, yes, the conservation profession is competitive. It is still who's who. It's still like, where did you go to school? What did you study? Who do you know? What have you done? What have you published? Absolutely. But strip the business, quote unquote, part of conservation away. It is a place where I just feel everybody is welcome. I think the wild being out in nature, I just think it's something where it's some it's something that is equal to everybody in the sense that we all need nature to survive. It's not more important to you, to someone who lives in India, to someone who lives in northern Uganda. It is nature is something that doesn't, I don't know, doesn't care where we came from, who we are, what we look like, who we love, what our, you know, gender, race, anything. I just I think that we're all if if we were to strip away the yeah, the, the, the man-made world that we live in. I just, I think I love the idea that like nature is equally important to all of us. It's something that we all have a stake in and it's something that, and like if you were to turn the tables, like nature looks at all of us the same. And so I don't know, I think there's just something really beautiful about being out in that world that just makes the, the, the man-made world that we live in less, it makes it easier to, to live in and less stressful. I don't know, I just find myself at peace when I have the wild in me. That sounds so cheesy. <laughs> that sounds so cheesy, but that's truly how I feel. I feel when I, when I'm not, when I have not been out in the bush or out in the wild or traveled for a while, I feel tense, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. And I think, yeah. And so I think the healing properties of that is something that everybody deserves to experience and it's something that I hope we can protect for a long time. And also then you start to throw in the animals can't speak for themselves. Like we've done, you know, we've confined them to these areas. Like we're doing, we're the ones who are I do, obviously, for me, that's really what started, like, deep, deep down. I think I'm a little more fluffy about it now. But first, it was like, they can't speak for themselves. Like, we're doing it to them. And I have always been somebody who's very overprotective of people who don't have a voice in that sense. And so I think there's there's that element um, that I think also drives me as well. But I can't, I would be lying if I said it just didn't make me feel good being out in that in the wild. And I just want to know that that's going to still be there, whether I have children and for them to experience it, for your children to experience it, just for the next generation, for anybody. I just, I think it's benefits everyone and the wild deserves to stay wild because they were here first. It seems to me there's a kind of interesting irony there in terms of the importance of being out in nature and being disconnected. But then on the other hand, it's so important for you. It's a big part of your work getting that message across to people and using social media platforms to get that message to people. How do you strike that balance? Oh God, 
Claire, girl, I don't know, girl, you tell me. No, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm not joking you. So I, I mean, more lately, I gone through like a really strange personal development stage. I think the last year and a half, just focusing on, you know, starting this new business and, um, and, and navigating exactly what you're talking about of feeling like I know how great I feel when I'm out there, but I know like we still live in a re I still live in a reality where I still have to make money. I still have to come back and work. I still have to brand myself. And, and a lot of the future projects that I do working on and I want to do, yeah, they depend on having an online presence, having social. And I hate that. And I, and I hate nothing more than feeling like I have to do something. I think, I mean, who doesn't, right? <laughs> and I think I've definitely become a little more rogue, if you, if you will say, of, of being like, you know what? I don't care. I'm not going to post for three weeks. I don't care if I'm going to lose hundreds of followers. I'm not in the mood. It doesn't make me feel good. I go on. I scroll. I get off feeling like shit about myself. I'm comparing myself. Other people are doing better. Someone else took, took my story idea. I'm just like, no. So I think that I'm, I'm still, and I think a lot of us are still trying to strike a healthy balance with the need because unfortunately social media, the internet, living in this digital world is not going away. And that is the reality in which we live. And I, I do hate that that's a reality, but like at the same time, we have to be realistic. And especially for someone like me, whose storytelling, visual storytelling is such an important aspect of everything that I do and want to continue to do. Um, it is a, a fire that I still have to, you know, maintain. Um, and, and yeah, I definitely, I have been struggling with that if I'm completely honest with you. Um, I wish I had like a solution or how I figured it out, but I don't. It's something that I struggle with a lot of time, um, a, a lot of the times. And, and even like just in this past month, I've had times where I'm like, oh my God, I've gotten anxiety because I haven't been keeping up with my social media, but then I don't like doing it because I want to be immersed in my, in the real world. And, and I think, I think a lot of it is balance kind of is the, the word that you use when you ask me the question. And I think that's really is the key is recognizing what is that? What is balance? If we know we have to do one thing, but we know, you know, something else is important. And, and, and even if they are kind of contradictory, there is a balance with that. I think at this point, I definitely try and do more of a, if anything, like a 60, 40, I try and do 60% of what I want to be doing, I'm passionate about, f makes me feel good, um, and I think is beneficial. And then I'll do, you know, and then I'll try to dedicate 40% of myself to the crap that I don't like doing, that doesn't feel good, or I feel like is contradictory. Um, and I think being really mindful of how you use it and the messages you put out um, is also really important. I think social media, especially social media, just in the sense of like what gets shared and how messages can be construed and actually have, I mean, it's kind of a whole other topic, but actually can have a negative impact on wildlife. I mean, you see a lot of quote unquote influencers and now for some reason it's becoming like, I think travel became like the hot thing for a while. And now it's like travel, but being with exotic animals and who can do the, who can be with the, the black jaguar in the water and posing with sexy bikini pictures. And you're seeing this, you know, people wanting these really outlandish experiences with, with wildlife. And it's a, you know, it's a clickbait. And I think that that whole industry is also, or not industry, but that whole side of things has also really made the social media part even more difficult to navigate um, because you also know you're kind of living in that world and you, you know it's what people want to see, but you know how fucking bad, excuse my language, that is for the big picture of conservation. So it's like, how do you strike that balance? Get people's attention, want them to you know be engaged and, oh my God, that's cool, ask questions, but also know that you're doing something that isn't going to be detrimental in the big picture. And I think you know, educating yourself and all of that and doing research and being really open-minded. And I know when I started for, at first, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I get to pet the cheetah. Hell yeah, put picture pose, hang out with the baby. I know for me, and it's like, it took, it took a while for me to really start to be like, Mar, is this the best 
way to be putting that out. Yes, you're getting followers. Yes, people are engaging. Yes, people are asking questions and you're able to then go share a message. But can you kind of rework it a bit so that you can kind of make everybody happy? And I think that's been a really interesting um, thing to, to, to navigate in, as like social media has been changing. And I think that people are becoming a little more wiser. And I know Instagram has implement, recently, excuse me, implemented, um, you know, engaging with, with animals. I know um, South Africa just had a ban on um, a wildlife interaction. So like the whole lion, walking with lions, petting baby lions, feeding baby lions, all that, that's all gonna be banned, I believe, coming up this summer. Um, and so I know TripAdvisor now has some stuff where, you know, swimming with uh, marine animals, riding elephants, all of that is becoming really taboo, which is a beautiful thing. Obviously, you know, I wish it would have happened years ago and we're still learning. Um, but I do think users are becoming a lot more wise. But yeah, it makes it difficult to like strike a balance because you still got to feed the monster, right? A little bit to have a to have that platform, to have that career. And I think that's something that I, I still do struggle with. I mean, I, I go on blackouts where I'm like not on social media for a while, you know, where I just, and I know it's probably not the best branding and marketing strategy um, and or, you know, uh, I don't know, visibility or whatnot. I know that kind of Instagram will, I don't know, I have such a love hate with Instagram. They like, you know, you know how it is. If you don't go on for a while and you're not active, they'll kick your ass the next time you try to come back. But yeah, I think that that actually has been really hard to find that balance. I think you just really have to listen to yourself and be honest with who you are, with who you're not. And if something doesn't make you feel good, like don't do it, you know, don't do it. And, and I think, and then, yeah, and I think that's coupled with educating yourself so that you can make more informed decisions about things that maybe are making you feel good, but maybe if you knew like the big picture wouldn't. So I think that that's definitely been a huge learning curve for me the last, you know, six months to a year for sure. I think you have a really interesting platform, actually, and probably quite a unique one in the sense that, you know, you put all these beautiful kind of photos and videos and it's like very aspirational. But at the same time, you're qualified in the area of conservation and very knowledgeable about it. I mean, do you feel like you've got the message out to people who wouldn't otherwise engage with information about conservation? Gosh, that's a great. Um, I don't I would say that I, I try. I would say that that's definitely without a doubt if I had to, I guess, sort of elevator pitch my quote online brand, the whole Margon Wild thing that I've been trying to kind of, I don't know, <laughs> like half-ass do for the last few years <laughs> um, when, I, when I feel good about it and or I'm not like, I need a break from social media. I think that whole platform, that was always my intent from the beginning was I, I didn't want to have conversations. I wasn't trying to reach people who were already into conservation. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, if not to back it up too much, but I think a lot of that does stem from kind of growing up with that weird dichotomy of being that girl when I was a little, when I was little and having my life and my farm girl life and my 4-H friends that were like, we were FFA and we were all like nature nerds and then going and having my cheer friends and wanting and always kind of being that middleman or that middle woman, excuse me, um, to be able to like bring these two different crowds together. Like I know this crowd thinks, so it's like, I always joke, I'm like, I want, I can talk about the Kardashians all day. Like I am as, as relatable in that sense as I think to like the more quote mainstream social media audience. I, I know that I can, I could go and get drunk with those girls or guys or whatever and have a great time and joke. And I still live in that world as well and recognize it. But I also have this whole other world and I get that. Like, it's just, I mean, anything that you're not really interested in, how can that be interesting? And I think if you find a person that you can relate to and can kind of make that information and or that lifestyle and or that content interesting that whether it's like editing a video and putting like hip-hop music to it or a cool song or edge whatever it may be I think that I've always really strived to try and be that version of of, of not that version but I've always tried to make Margon Wild kind of 
that and, and my Margon Wild, I guess, persona, very much someone that could be relatable to a mainstream audience, but that can be respected from this other audience um, because they're the ones who allow me access to bring in my friends from this other world, if that makes sense. And I think that, yeah, I think I, that's, and that's definitely something like, in, I know you and I have talked about the podcast that I'm working on. That's without a doubt, like the focus of that is being able to take these, I could sit and nerd around and talk about sustainable livelihood opportunities all day and like, you know what I mean? And, and maintaining ecosystems. Like I'm so nerdy on that. Like I've just, I've been researching watersheds for the last like three days. because that's one of the episodes that we're going to get recording soon. And I'm like nerding out on these watersheds and wanting to learn how it all works. And I get, that's not like my husband's like, that sounds boring as hell. No one wants to hear that shit. And I'm like, no, I'm going to make it fun. I promise. I'm going to use a water boy theme. It'll be like quirky. And, and I think that is a big, and I, you know, and I, for me, it's like, what makes it fun? I watch, you know, I consume so much media, not because I, I consume media to find angles and or formats of like what works for me. So I watch stuff that I don't give a shit. Like I used to never care about history. I will, I'm obsessed with history now. I found a few people who tell the story the way I love it, the way I want it. And I'm like, oh my God, like you just made something that I would never care about. So interesting. And I think that's the key for someone either like myself or in my position um, or who's trying to build, you know, a brand in that sense is like, how can you take stuff that, because what's the, what's the value in preaching to your audience, right? Like I'm not trying to preach to other people who are already interested in what I'm doing. I want to get other people who maybe don't know and or curious, whatever, you know, I want to get them a little more involved. I want to get them asking the questions. I want to get them engaged. I want to expand their minds a little bit. Um, because, because for me, it's been so beautiful and valuable and it goes back to that whole connecting with nature and like feeling at peace. I think that like, God, if you kind of only knew a little bit about this or you guys were involved in it, I think that you would love it as much as I do. And if anything, I look at it as like me trying to like, you know, like serve the tea a little bit <laughs> and get people interested in it because I do believe, not just because I'm like, I want people to care so that people care and we all save the planet, yada, 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 and go hug trees, but also because I'm like, dude, I want you guys to care because I promise you it'll change your life. And it, it, and it's a beautiful fucking thing to care about everything around you. Yeah. So you've taken this pretty unconventional career path. You know, you've designed a job, designed a role that brings together your passion and your skills. What have you learned from doing that? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the biggest the biggest takeaway is. I think being really honest, that's going to sound strange, but I'll, I'll circle back with it. I'll, I'll try to make sense of this. Being really honest, starting with yourself. And I think a big thing for me is that it, it took a long time of being like, what do, what, I think one inventory on what are you good at and what are you not good at? Be honest. Like I knew early on when I kind of started going down the conservation path, I was starting to like, I was like, maybe I'll go back and I will try to be a vet. Maybe I will be a scientist and a research and publish papers. And I'm like, Mar, be effing honest. You hate writing. I love researching. I hate writing. Mar, be honest. You're not going to go and like live. And I think that's the thing with, um, with a lot of people, we see people living these lives, right? Like 80% of it's not, you know, it's not reality <laughs> that we see on social media, which is, um, and you, we, we think we want this life. And I think until we really get a taste of it, we don't know what the reality is. And so I think a big part of that is knowing what you're curious about and like going and doing research and finding out, you know, what the reality is and or asking the right questions and being curious. Um, and then in that process, at the same time, being really honest with yourself, well, can I, would I want to do that? Or do I just want the end goal, but I'm not willing to do all the crap between now and then that it's going to take to get there. One of my biggest 
I don't want to say frustrations because it's going to sound really mean and heartless, but it's the truth. Like one of my biggest irritations is when people reach out and they're like, oh my gosh, I love what you do. I want to do that. How do I go be with animals? Like, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, first of all, go to Google. <laughs> like if, you know, I, I'm always shocked at people who like don't take initiative to like ask the, you know, who just kind of want to cut a line. I get a lot of a sense of like wanting to cut a line even when I write back and I'm like, well, maybe start by researching some places that you might, you know, be interested in going and like getting a little bit of lay of the land. Um, and then maybe volunteering somewhere, seeing how that works. And like, oh no, no, but I want to do this. And I'm like, I get that. But like, it took me years to like figure that out. And you might not like that. I can't tell you what you're going to like. I can't tell you how to do it. I don't know you. I don't know what you're good at, what you like, what you don't like, you know, what your circumstances are, like how you're going to pay your way through figuring it out. Like, I don't know. Like I can't design your life for you. And I think a lot of times like we either are, yeah, just not honest with ourselves about what it's going to really take to get something done. And I think when we, when we start by just being honest with like the reality of, of, of what it is facing that reality. And, and I think if you have that, then you're a lot more likely to pursue and, and, and persist when things don't happen overnight, when things are difficult, when you, you know, see and or recognize a path that you're like, oh crap, I never even thought about that, but that might be that might be my, my, my path. That might be my angle to where I really want to go. And I think, you know, the more you empower yourself with like knowledge and research and all of that, um, but also like having a really like honest self, you know, like, yes, I will do that. Yes. I'm willing to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I think a lot of us, we, we don't have those conversations with ourselves. So I think that's a really big part of, yeah, being able to sort of figure, figure all of that out, which I, which I hope is a, is a decent answer. It's interesting with this kind of career path change. It's um, my husband and I talk about it a lot. I know, so he he's a nightclub manager, and that is not his passion. It's not what he does. It make, he makes good money. It's his living. Um, his passion is wildlife photography, and he kind of fell into that, you know, by default or whatever. Us working together, um, and so we've been having a lot of these conversations about finding your passion, and um, I, that's you know something that I find myself. And I just don't think there's a right or a wrong answer, but I think it kind of piggybacking a little bit off of what I was saying about being honest with yourself, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do. I think for people who are even just at a place where they're not happy and are just, they're curious. I just think that those are things you have to like take inventory on. And even if it's just sitting in silence or like getting on Google and like researching stuff and just exploring what's out there, but not ignoring those things. So if you're in a, whether it be a career path or even a relationship, whatever, whatever the hell it may be that you're not, that you just know you're not happy in, or you dream about or are curious about something else. I just think that, yo, like not to be cliche, but you only live once and be at least open-minded to exploring it with, with the realities of, like I was saying earlier, like being honest with yourself in the process. Like obviously you have to think about all factors, whether it be like, you know, how do you fund things or I have responsibilities, I have a family, whatever it may be, but I still think that we shouldn't ignore things that we're curious about. Um, and I think in terms of people who don't know what their passion would be, I think this is going to sound silly, but a big thing for me, I still do this sometimes when I feel a little bit lost is I make a list of like, like is the most detailed list of like things that make me happy. I'm not joking. The other day I wrote it and I was like, things that make me happy, things that make me not happy. I, it was ever much, I was like, checking Instagram doesn't make me happy. Like I made a list of like things that like, and I just think that sometimes just starting there can, you can rec start weeding out stuff and you're like, no, that's a part of that. Like, that's not what I'm going to be passionate about. Or you start to like see a theme happening of like, God, maybe that's my passion. And I think, and if you don't even know where to start with that, one of the biggest things that I think with kind of finding what your passion may be and, or feeling fulfilled, whether you're down on yourself or you're not happy in a situation is serve others. Like one of the biggest things I think that brings clarity and, or just 
joy or peace in a life, whether it be in nature or not, I think like maybe just go and volunteer or help somebody else out. And sometimes just getting out of our own space. And I think maybe luckily deep down the, the, the first kind of step I took into sort of soul searching and passion finding happened to be right away in this kind of serving, this kind of giving to others um, realm. I don't think that I did that intentionally. I think that just as I was lucky enough to kind of have that be my first step. But I think if you don't know what your first step is, I think that that's a really great place is like, you know what, maybe I'll just go and volunteer or serve others or give back in some way. And maybe I'll find some clarity there. And maybe that'll help me sort of make sense of the, these things that I'm interested in, what my passion might be. That's, that's awesome. That's so helpful. I feel like a lot of people are in, you know, in that kind of stuck place and maybe don't know how to take that first step. So yeah. And I think again, like, like we talked about it, you, we live in this digital world where we feel like we're really connected and we have all these relationships and quote friends, but we're actually all really disconnected to everything. Now I'm not just talking like nature, that's a whole, you know, but even to each other, like we think we're connected and we're not. And like, it can feel like you have this community because of whatever, you know, online and this and that. But in a lot of sense, like when we go home and those quiet moments, a lot of us like are lonely and disconnected. And that can be a really dark place to try to find your passion or what your life purpose is if you are living in that bubble and not recognizing that um, and or doing taking steps to try and like, you know, get out of that or at least not make it as dark by clouding it with things that, inadvertently subconsciously maybe you are aware of it or not don't bring you joy and if things don't bring you joy like get that shit out people anything get that out of there (laughs) right 